So tonight we're going to look at something a little past that. We're going to be looking at Isaac and his sons. How many, do you anybody know who his sons are? They're Jacob and Esau. So, uh, okay. So Thanksgiving's coming up. We all love food. I love food. I love pumpkin pie. I love sweet potato pie. I love turkey. I love ham. I like mashed potatoes, gravy. It's all so good. So imagine that you've been working all week. You have had not had enough to eat. You're starving. You come home and you're like, hmm, I would sell my entire life in order to get this food. And your brother is like, you know what? Yo, bro, so you've got this inheritance, and I'm going to take it. How about this? You give me your inheritance, and I'll give you all of this food. Would you take that deal? Well, uh, there's a guy in the Bible who was like, you know, I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. He's, he's rash, fast, weird. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to give all of my inheritance in order to just to satisfy my stomach. So here we're going to go. We're going to go by this time in the story. Isaac, the son of Abraham, has married Rebekah and is about to give birth to twins. They are fighting already and aren't even born yet. So in the womb, like in, in her belly, they're, they're fighting. Not even born yet, and they're already fighting. How many have a brother like that? Sister, sister. yes, sister. Rivalries happen your whole life, you know? They're crazy. Esau and Jacob are the promised children for Isaac and Rachel. And Rebecca's like, okay, God, why in the world is my stomach going blah, 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 getting, you got little knockout bells in there, ding, 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 match is over. Esau's won. He's coming out first. But Jacob isn't satisfied with that conclusion, and he hangs on to the heel, the heel of Esau. So the, what's important about that is that Jacob's name essentially means heel grabber, which, so he's grabbed onto the heel, he's coming out second, which means he's a supplanter. That essentially means he's going to take the place of Esau. And I already told you that story with the whole, the food and the inheritance, the birthright. Essentially, at this point, it was, it was called a birthright, which was the right of firstborn. So at this time, he's come out and it's already shown what's going to happen here. Jacob and Esau have very different personalities, though. You see, Esau was this, like, this manly man. He went hunting. He was impulsive and rash in his decision-making. But Jacob, he was, he was more so a mama's boy. He was like, how's it going? Let's stay home and let's cook some food. And I'm like, I'm not going to go hunting. I'm going to chill here and read a book, except there weren't books. But like, he would have done that. He'd been like, you know those kids who stay at home and they're like, you know, I'd rather read a book than go out and hunt. That's this guy. That's Jacob. Though he's also, they both each have their faults. They have their strengths. They're like, yeah, this is great and all. But uh, his mom, Rebecca, Jacob, they're talking, they're talking, they're like, hmm, how can we convince your father to give you the inheritance instead of Esau? Because before, before Jacob and Esau were born, the Lord had said, two nations are in your room, and the two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in a room. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Also at this time, Isaac was 60. He was 60 year old with twin kids. Must have been a ton of fun. 
<laughs> ton of fun. Could you imagine giving birth and you're 60 and like 50? They're like these old people having kids. It must have been rough. I am glad that I was not them. And now, now we're going to go a little bit further. So uh, one of the first points that I want to make about this story is that God's plans don't always make sense. Essentially, in Genesis 27, 11 through 20, we see that Jacob deceives his own father in order to gain the blessing that his brother rightfully deserved. So in Genesis 27, 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, this, they're talking about how are we going to deceive our dad? How are we going to trick him into thinking that I'm Esau so that he gives me the blessing instead of Esau? When there's totally different, one's all hairy, one's all not hairy. He's a homebody. He's a hangout. He doesn't do this kind of stuff. He doesn't go out into the field. He doesn't smell like dirt. He smells like flowers and like cooking and food and happiness. But he's a liar and a con man and a deceiver. He's got a smile and a silver tongue, but he's not necessarily as honest as you would think. So, they're plotting right now. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. But his mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he's getting hairy stuff. He's going he's gonna to cover his body in hair, make it to where when he goes in there, his dad's going to be like, because at this point, Isaac is blind. He can't see anything. He can only hear and touch. So he's going to go in there. He's going to sound like Jacob, which Later in this passage, Isaac's like, you sound like Jacob. Are you sure you're Esau? Come closer. Let me touch you and see if you're really Esau. But because he covered himself in hair and he rubbed himself in smelly dirt, he smells and looks like Esau, according to Isaac. So, he, my son, let the curse fall on me, blah, blah, blah. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game, so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? Because Esau had just been sent out to the field to hunt, and he was going to go hunt, kill a wild game of some form, whatever it was that Esau could kill. He was going to come back, cook it, and give it to his father. But somehow they already had food. So it was like, like, didn't you just leave? Like, you just walked out the door and you're already back with cooked food? This is crazy. You're fast. But he's like, yeah, yeah, this is me. This is totally me. I am not lying to you. My name is Esau. I am Esau. So how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, your God, gave me success. This, it, it's a crazy, not only does he lie to his father, he's like, the Lord gave me success. Do you know, I'm so great, the Lord gave me success. That's what, he's claiming that right here. And that's just, <laughs> that's crazy, like, think about that. Not only is he lying, he's bringing God into it, being like, God gave me this, that, that's what happened. And then Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. 
Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. Uh, don't worry, this isn't like a weird kiss. This is just like a ceremonial kiss. Don't, don't think about it too much. <laughs> when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. At this point, Esau finally shows back up. He's finished his hunt, he's gotten his food, he's cooking it, and he comes in, and he's, he goes to his father. He's like, uh, can I have my blessing? I have finally come, I've got my food, I'm here. And, and Isaac just has to say, yo, dude, I already blessed your brother. I didn't know. I thought it was you, and I've already given my blessing. I can't give that blessing to you. It's kind of weird. I know that sounds weird. Like, why can't you just say the same stuff? But this blessing had power. It was from God. It wasn't just from man. It was from God. And God had already accepted it for Jacob. So at this point, Jacob has been blessed not just by Isaac, but also by the God of Abraham and the God of So at this point of Isaac, so at this point, it's already been decided. So Jacob had stolen the blessing that he deserved. In spite of the lies and the deception that had garnered Isaac's blessing for Jacob, God honored it. Because when God sets a plan in motion, we don't deter it. Maybe we think that us doing this kind of stuff is not in God's plan, but God's like, I knew this was going to happen. Sure, it's not great. You lied, you deceived you were going to get blessed anyways, but you did it this way. And this is not right, but God still carries out his plans even when we don't quite do the things that we should in order to get there. So even though Esau would have been the correct child according to tradition, God knew that Jacob would be the right choice to lead the nation of Israel going forward. Because one thing that you might not know at this point is that Jacob, he ends up going on to be the head, the beginning of Israel. He's the most important person at this point. He becomes the head. Eventually, he ends up wrestling with God himself and gains the name Israel. And the second point that I want to go into is that God will use flawed people. He used Jacob and he used Esau. And, and here's a few qualities of each of these people. And let me know if you think that this is a person that God would use. Jacob, he's a deceiver a liar, a con man. He deceives all the time. He goes into his own father's home, says, I am your brother. I am the brother Esau. He's a liar, but God still decided to use him. And then he got Esau. He's brash. He's flawed. He's quick. He's impulsive. He decides things just too soon. He doesn't think things through. He lives in the present. He doesn't look toward what is to come. He looks at what is now. I'm hungry. I want food. My birthright gets me food, gives it away, doesn't even think about it. This is not ideal. So this, this, this kind of stuff is why Esau was not the right person to end up as the head of Israel. 
and he ended up choosing Jacob, even though you wouldn't think that because he's kind of a crazy man. And then the third point that I want to bring up, and this is going to be the last point. It's kind of a shorter message. So this will be the last point that I want to go to. Uh, Jacob, he made so many mistakes and caused so many issues, yet God still carried out the plan that he had since the beginning. Throughout the Old Testament, God reveals portions of his plan, glimpses of the overall plan that he has to redeem us. The ultimate plan of Jesus was in the works even during this time. This whole Jacob, Esau, some. Jacob, when he goes on to become Israel and he becomes the father of this nation, this ends up being the same nation that Jesus is born into. The ultimate plan of Jesus was never held up, not by man, not by any of our mistakes. God has a plan for all of us, even when we don't understand the plan. This was some of the groundwork that was necessary to create a nation that would eventually be Jesus' birthplace. So we can look at all these things and have hope. And, and this is the conclusion area of my sermon. So if the worship team does want to go around, that would be great. They'll get there eventually. Um, <laughs> so we know that God can still use us, even with our flaws, even with our weaknesses. We're not always great, but God's plans won't be finished necessarily within our lifetime. But that doesn't mean that we have to lose hope. Maybe, maybe we don't see how the story ends, but we can have faith and trust that God will never fail us. He has plans that are grander than anything we can imagine, and we get to be a part of these plans. If you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you are already a part of his kingdom. Even if we pass from this planet, we will still be able, able to be with God for eternity in heaven. If you've not yet taken this opportunity to be with Jesus, know that the door is always there. Jesus waits patiently for you. He loves you no matter where you are at this moment. He has plans for you. So I ask that you would ask him for help. All right, uh, bow your heads, guys. Um, dear Lord, I just thank you for giving us this opportunity to dive into your word, even if it's not the longest sermon and it's not the longest message I think it's still important that we know that your plans never fail, God. That you'll use us even though we're flawed, we're imperfect, God. We make mistakes. We're not always ready to do what we need to do. But you're there beside us, there to guide us. Even though we don't know the way to go, God. We're flawed, we make mistakes, but God, you're greater than these. You stand beside us through everything we do pray that you would bless this night as we go into worship, as we dive into seeking your face, God, that we wouldn't be afraid to passionately pursue you, God. So often we want to live our lives in a shallow little bubble all about ourselves, but God, open us up tonight that we would press into you, that we would dive into your presence, God. It's easy to walk are through our lives with no purpose, no passion. God, I pray that you would be here tonight. Show us your passion, your love, your hope, God, so that you would give us a new life, new breath, God. And for those of us who maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus, God, I pray that you would be here knocking on the door, that they would hear and listen, God, that they would be right here with us, God, and they would feel your presence all around as the worship goes and and we hear the songs, God, that we would press in.
to your presence. We would ask the questions that need to be asked. Some of us don't know why we need Jesus. Show us, God, who you are, your love, your greatness, your grandness, God. Dear Lord, just be with us as we press into worship. In your holy name.